Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Paul. Chris. It is insane at the shop right now. Yeah, it has been what so busy. What did you do? Um, I'm not it on the shop, but, but yeah, our, <laughs> no, our the boys, company. The, well, some some of that, you know, your fault, my fault, who's <laughs> who's our fault? That's not a bad thing. The, but for the, our listeners, it might be beneficial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so fifteen percent off sale is going on. We we End announced summer it last sale. week. End, End of, of summer, summer sale. sale. I love I love that you. I like that. I love that you're embracing the name of the sale. I like that. Um, guys, I name all of the sales at Duramax Tuna, and this they're is all the shit. First this is the one first that one that actually clicks. I hate you. What what does the end of summer sale offer? It's fifteen percent off. Switch on the fly for EFI Live and Easy Link Tuning. So that covers 01 to 16 Duramaxes. That covers 2.8 liters that do switch on the fly, so up to 18. That covers Cummins 06 to 21, 18, 21, 21 whatever is doing yeah. switch on the fly. Power Stroke, all the tunes that we do for Power yep. Stroke that are switchable. Uh, so there is just a ton of tuning on sale right now. Yeah. And the shop guys are busy. Oh, well, that, that's where I was going to say is, is our boys, Jeremy and Jaden, who you guys have heard on the show, yeah. they are swamped right now. Yeah, it turns out when we started advertising a tuning sale, people also brought in a ton of repairs. So we have yep. some really good shop jobs coming we up have, that we're going to We have a couple of too. unique ones. I think there's a couple of unique topics. Uh, trucks that came to us secondhand yeah. uh, for diagnosis in one way or another that, you know, not to get into a debate, but were misdiagnosed. Um, and we were able to save the customer a buttload of money. Uh, with the misdiagnostics that the other shops Let did. me take a blind swing at at who misdiagnosed it, and I'm going to say dealership tech. Dealership tech is one of them, yeah. Um, I've, I've met dealership techs that are phenomenal yeah. diesel mechanics, yeah. and I've also met dealership techs that I wouldn't trust to do an oil change. You know change. what, Paul? I think it really comes down to experience and retaining yeah. what you learned from that experience, unfortunately, right? right? You can learn all of the textbook stuff and then get put out into the field. You might not necessarily be the best. Sure. There's guys that have no textbook experience, and it's all now and they're pretty damn good techs. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, there, there's more segments to come with that stuff, but just a ton of good content have been coming into the shop that we can use to our advantage sure. to educate our listeners. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for it. The sales rocking. Uh, the shop is busy. We also have some killer interviews coming up over the next few weeks today yep. specifically i'm super excited super pumped um you know this event has grown year over year um sarah chapman took some time out of her busy schedule to get on the line with us and talk about uh, the all truck challenge or the more uh, better known as king of the streets that's right um so it's an event that's been growing some legs over the last few years it's uh, an end of summer fall style ish event um so it was really cool you know i'm excited to get her on and uh, uh, kind of talk about the evolution of the event and what the future of the event looks like. You know, King of the Streets, I'll be honest, It's when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, I guess we're all doing this now, yeah. where we all have multi-competition events, yeah. right? And I was like, all right, like, if you're the third one on the bandwagon, I'm probably, it's probably not going to be as cool. And then we actually talked to Sarah, and I right. was like, oh my God, how are we not intricately well, involved in covering this? There's it, so much going on. It's, it's interesting because, you know, as... 
as the fall of some competitions have taken place, right, there's been some changes in the industry and some of the events we've missed out on the last couple of years. Yep. Um, there's opportunity for new, fresh events to come in. Um, and I think it's really interesting. The All Truck Challenge, King of the Street Challenge has a different plot twist when it comes to what those trucks need to go through. And I like the message, the physical message that that event sends out and uh, the type of people that they're trying to attract and bring in to compete. Absolutely. Well, hey, guys, without any further ado, let's kick it over to talking to uh, Miss Sarah Chapman about King of the Streets and the All Truck Challenge. Sarah Chapman, how the hell are you? Good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Doing good, man. Yeah. yeah. We are. It is the nicest weather we have had all summer right now, Chris. Yeah, it is. Uh, what, what's the weather out by you, Sarah? Um, well, we just got hit with a hurricane, right, so right. there's a lot of flooding and power outages just and stuff mess. like that. I just heard 100,000 people on the news this morning are oh, wow. out of out of power, so we're kind of a little bit in a pickle, but <laughs> oh, that's, no. that's what it's like being on the East Coast, I guess. Where are you located on the East Coast? So we are in Virginia. Um, we're actually, we live in a, in a resort town, so to speak. We, uh... We live right outside of Ocean City, Maryland, outside okay. of Ocean City, Maryland, on the Virginia side. Gotcha. Very nice. Gotcha. Yeah, beautiful area, but yeah, tough, tough weather uh, when this type, when this type of stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, of course, though, we're we're actually calling to talk about the King of the Streets event, uh, which has been a growing event out there in kind of the. I'd say a lot of the Midwest guys are starting to, to flock I mean, to this event. You're the, starting the to see East guys Coast and, all over the country, like even guys out west. Yeah, this know, is. I mean, it's 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 growing. The, right? Absolutely. It's growing. Uh, so I oh, think yeah. I think two years ago, I think we had Tim, uh, Tim Mahoney, Mahoney on. One of our guys went out there. Yeah. He he went out to the show, and afterwards we had him on the podcast. So listeners, you guys have heard a little bit about this, but we thought we would get Sarah on to talk more in depth about what this event is and kind of the background behind it. Can you tell us about how King of the Streets got started? Well, it kind of got started actually as a um, as kind of a bit of a unhappy situation that we had. Um, my buddy Tyler was trying to get into DPC, and as everybody knows, it's a voting contest. Um, we like to call it a popularity contest, but um, Tyler had this red truck, and it was 1,700 horsepower. He pulled with it. He dynoed with it. He raced it constantly all the time all summer long. And um, it was basically what was that competition was designed for. Well, he didn't get in. Um, so then we said, okay, well, why don't we just do it ourselves, but put a different spin on it to make it more like a reality, you know, because trucks do hang weight. They change tires. They take the tailgates off. They do different stuff. So I said, well, why don't we just do that? So three of us, um, Derek Borden, Tyler Bransaport, um, Matt Chapman, uh, those three had trucks. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll be the idiot to host it. <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, we took their three trucks, a Dodge, a Ford, and a Chevy, and we said, well, what makes you guys competitive against each other so that it wouldn't favor one brand over another? And we created a set of rules based on how we normally um, did the trucks every weekend, how they raced them, how they pulled them, how they towed with them, drove them on the street, whatever. And um, we basically put a criteria together for it and created a competition out of that that's awesome okay i like to hear that now the first event what did it end up being just those three trucks when did it happen no so the first event actually um matt didn't get to compete in it and uh tyler didn't get to compete in it but Derek did um we had 11 trucks in it uh that year justin andres won 
Um, Ziegler took second. I believe uh, Derek took third. Um, uh, fourth and fifth was uh, Michael Corsilli and uh, Jason Eberline and, and uh, Gordon Lindemood tied for fifth place. Okay. So we had a pretty decent group of guys there. Uh, we started out, it was, the first event was actually at two different locations. We had Cecil County, Dragway, Maryland, and we did, um, we actually had the pulling in the dirt drag part at a little backwoods track um, on the coast of New Jersey, South Jersey. And um, there wasn't a lot of people there. We probably had, uh, I would say, it was mostly all crew and trucks. Uh, didn't have a lot of spectators and stuff. We kind of wanted to see how it went. We didn't do a lot of advertising for it other than whatever we did on social. We didn't do any radio ads, no nothing. Because um, I didn't want to get there and it not work and have all those people disappointed. So okay. we pretty much had it. A uh, small group of people, 11 trucks, ended up showing up. 20, some of them had entered. Uh, but we know how that goes with trying to get parts. Sure. Um, but anyway, it, it worked out pretty well. The guys liked it. We, you know, we have a private Facebook group for it, um, for drivers only. They gave me their feedback, stuff that we screwed up on, stuff that they screwed up on, uh, stuff they liked, didn't like. Every Everybody always complains about the 20-inch hitch. That's the number one thing that nobody wants to do. However, it put... 500 horsepower trucks and 2,000 horsepower trucks in the same vicinity for the sled pool. So it's going to stay there. They always complain to me about it, but it is what it is. With the speed sleds that we have nowadays, we can accommodate that hitch height pretty pretty deep. So, Everybody's pretty good. So with the first event, uh, it was in South Jersey. You had two separate locations. Um, yep. I know in 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 years past in, in years after um, we had or you had that event um, in Ohio. Is that correct? Yeah. Now we're at uh, Dragway Forty Two in Ohio. We skipped a year. Um, we skipped two thousand eighteen, and um, now we're in uh, in nineteen twenty and twenty one. We we're doing all at Dragway Forty Two in West Salem, Ohio. Okay. Now, all of the event is held in one location now, correct? Correct. Everything is at uh, everything is at a single track at a single location, and um, there's no there's no body else or no no other place that we go. Sarah, that's interesting. That I like. I always like to see how these events evolve. Where you you start off with a small group of people, it's private. There's like some personal pride kind of driving it, where it's like, hey, let's let's kind of have our own fun, right? Um, right? Can you break the event down a little bit? What was that first year? What did they have to do? Was it just drag race sled pull? Did you say dirt drag too? So they had to like quarter mile or eighth mile. What what was the? Yeah. So. We tried to make it different enough, so we act. You, they actually get scored on seven different things um, because we tried to make it different enough so that it wasn't just a DPC copycat or a UCC copycat. We like to think that we're in between those two, um, as far as power level performance goes. We'd like to think that we're kind of like a middle grade to where guys that want to do a little bit of performance are, and um, and it's but it's accommodable for the everyday person but really what they do is they get scored on seven different things they get scored on a street drive um which is 100 miles they have to do they get scored on their their drag racing time or their drag strip time at that point it was a quarter mile time um now we do eighth mile but at that point it was a quarter mile they also got scored on um heads up drag racing elimination 
and um, there's two rounds of sled pulling so that we didn't favor we didn't want to favor one truck over another so the sled pulling guys um, as we've seen with other competitions um, certain one certain aspects outweigh others um, we saw that at UCC this year with the dyno whoever won the dyno ended up doing well um, where Tony Burkhart won two different competitions and then didn't place well finally so we didn't want that situation to ever happen with us because we foresaw that coming um so we basically score everything its own deal so they have two different sled pulls that they have to do each one is scored at 500 points just like the drag racing just like the dyno um and yes we do dirt drags they do a time and they do an elimination factor um i don't know how that is in other parts of the country but out here on the east coast most of our trucks um there's a lot of dirt drag competitions so most of our trucks do that as well they'll drive in and they'll just make some 200 foot 250 foot passes on the dirt and it's actually like a thing out here so that's why we added that in you're starting to see dirt dragging becoming more and more popular it's starting to make its way into the midwest you know a couple of the local fairgrounds they start they're starting to do it too just starting to creep out here gotta yeah. say love it's it. fun it's, it's, it's my all-time favorite yeah. uh spectator sport for for yeah. diesel performance yeah agreed that that's really interesting but what i'm hearing though is these trucks get worked this isn't like yeah. make, <laughs> make one pass on right. friday make one 30 minute you, you know time yeah. on the dyno on saturday and pull one one time on sunday no no multiple um, pulls and and drag racing no multiple they, sled they pulls. get worked there's we we actually went out to um the first year it was a little hectic and we threw everything in there but we actually did go to ucc the year that they opened it up to spectators and um no no hate towards them at all they put on a fantastic show but we were bored and we said man we don't want to be bored why are these trucks only making one pass every few hours down a drive strip and then you know i i get it you push people to the vendors but at the same time it's like man if you're not here for these vendors and you really are here for the performance part this is boring so then we said okay we'll slam it all together we'll make them do the time runs we'll make them race um we'll make them do you know non-stop work all weekend long and that's what we did so really you have a little bit of downtime um people can get pushed to the vendors and that sort of thing but it's not like you are waiting around for hours for another truck to make a pass down a track or something like that it's not that's not going to happen it's they they really have to work those trucks to and earn it to get to where they're where they're going now this this reminds me more of like the DPC setup where DPC the competitors one of the big things you'll see the difference of is if somebody breaks in the morning when they're doing like like they're like a trailer tow they have to drag race in the afternoon so if you have right. if your truck breaks if you're down you have a very mm -hmm. small window to fix it so you can make the next event do you guys see a lot of that or they're out of the 11 how many trucks are still together at the end of this the first year um, they all made it pretty much for the most part a couple of them went in blind and uh they didn't do a lot of testing so they had you know tuning issues and stuff like that but um basically if they could get it fixed in that amount of time they did uh the first year justin um had a rod knocking after the first sled pull because we always sled we always used to sled pull last this year we're dynoing last because the guys want to do the no prep race that's on sunday but um, normally we sled pulled last and the, after the first round his rod was knocking he said how many feet do I have to get to win this and I said 200 and something so he pulled windowed his block 
pulled the <laughs> pulled down the track until the truck just would not run anymore and it just shut off and he ended up winning it but there's some guys that'll fix it and some guys that won't fix it um last year josh mccormick had a problem and um chris patterson uh for texas they you know drove all the way there and one pass down drag strip and then they had issues so it it's tough a lot of the guys do have problems but at the same time that's kind of what we're looking for is trucks that they can do everything because if you were at an actual event you know throughout the season and you wanted to take your truck that you drove every day to an event and you blew it up you're stuck there you're you got to call somebody to tow you whatever so you really need to have dependable equipment it's not about making the the fastest pass of your life or the biggest dyno number of your life or whatever it's about go there compete be competitive but also be able to drive home at the end of the night i like that i like that a lot it really puts a lot of pressure on the teams now we saw UCC start off as a kind of a competitor event, maybe some of the bigger names in the industry competing with each other. DPC has always been about end users, like the average Joe coming out to compete. They really moved away from allowing shops. UCC has kind of evolved into big budgets, big shops. Yeah, we do have some privateers. We love to see them. But for the most part, the guys winning own a shop right right uh how is it what's the atmosphere like what are what are the competition like at king of the streets well except for the year that um levon won they actually came out to our first year and blew a line on the street drive didn't come didn't complete the street drive so they ended up i believe second to last or something that year 10th or 9th or something like that they came back the next time we had it um and ended up winning it in jersey's truck um but other than than that other than having levon and larson did it the first year levon did it the second year but other than having um that shop compete really everybody else is a what i would call like a blue collar shop Um, they do, you know, they're, they own their own businesses. It's just them and their wife or them and a buddy or something like that. It's not a industry wide shop like Firepunk is. It's a huge name. You know, everybody knows them. They deal with thousands of customers. Um, but everybody else has been, you know, smaller. Justin Andres is a farmer. Um, he, he won one year, uh, Ziegler won, um, UCC, but then never came in every time he came in he never really um got past that second place spot that he had he's a bigger shop i feel um in ohio but um you know bubby Payne, he won last year he's a wrecker truck operator tow wrecker truck operator so um i think there's you have some shops in there like ziegler um Ziegler shop and you have some guys that are they do something completely outside of the industry that come in and and do well so it really just depends um on the year but we've really kind of stuck it to the kept it to where the blue collar guys are that you know we wanted those guys that they do this on the weekend it's not really their day job and that sort of thing like you know um mario's been in every year he's a plumber um i mean we've we've got guys like that that's kind of what we're whoa. trying to appeal to. Did you say Mario the plumber has been in it every year? Yeah, Mario is. We're just going uh, to skate right over that. Okay. So, right. yeah. So, 
Mario's there every year. He's a, he owns his own plumbing company and does big um, contracting jobs for plumbing. But he's um, he's there every year. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we have. We have a guy that works for the government. Um, I haven't been able to get out of him what his job actually is. But we have a guy that works for the government, like secret squirrel stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we have some guys that just come there. You know, they have nothing to do with the industry and they just they just come and enjoy it. I love that. I I love that atmosphere of of people who are out there that are, I I don't want to say just amateurs, because I think that's the wrong tone They're hobbyists. But exactly, yeah. They're they're people who have just, they're there for the passion. Now, Sarah, one of the things that I find really interesting is, what is that growth and what is that evolution, right? Everyone, you know, that's going to listen to this, there's there's a lot to be said about the industry and change. So, COTS as we know it, right, 11 trucks one year, we skipped 18, 19, you had said something about like 50 trucks competed, um, mm-hmm. you know, 2020, and now we're in 2021. What are What are you doing with this competition? What are we doing to change to evolve to the current times? So basically what we did um, was we caught a lot of heat from a lot of sponsor, potential sponsors, um, potential shops that we wanted to be involved in this competition because let's face it, every shop out there, 99.9% of the shops out there make their money on the everyday consumer. So we wanted to know why when that's our clientele and that's our fan base and that those are the people that are showing up every day, why these shops wouldn't be involved in the competition. Um, they wouldn't sponsor, they wouldn't vend, they didn't want to be a part of it. And I started asking them, I said, well, you know, what's the deal here? And they said, because of the street name and the emissions nonsense that's, that's going around, you know, they didn't want to be associated. They didn't want to, you know, draw attention, whatever. So we switched it up this year. Um, we made King of the Street challenge itself with that name is now fully emissions compliant and um we have a handful of guys doing it there's not a lot but there's a handful of guys that have signed up for that and i think that part will grow especially once people learn that this is where our industry is going now so they need to put the r&d into it and and they need to you know get over the fact that these trucks are going to be what's on the road unless something drastically changes, but this is where we're at. So we made that fully emissions compliant. We took the OG guys um, that were doing King of the Street for the past four years. We took them and we just renamed the competition to ATC or it's all truck challenge. So those guys are coming back just under a different name. The KOS is now fully emissions compliant and all this is happening in the same weekend. So we threw a bunch of more, a bunch of other competitions in as well um, for the weekend in order to draw more attention to King of the Street and trying to show them like the emissions trucks are now a thing, you know, watch them on the track, this and that. It's hard to get people to come out just to see that because I think they're used to the big power and the big explosions and the big smoke and all that other stuff. But we threw a lot more stuff in it. In 2017, we just did King of the Street. That was it. Um, we did a pro street race at the drag strip. Um, other than that, we, we just did those. That was all the, that was the whole competition. Last year we added sled pool cash days where it's, uh, $125,000, um, for that competition and winning money that we give up for, for that. And, uh, this year we added a no prep race, um, for the drag strip. So we added a lot more things to do for that weekend. Oh, we also have the Make-A-Wish um, semi-show, 
will be on Saturday for the big Very rigs. Cool. Um, all the money goes to Make-A-Wish from, from that day. So uh, we added a lot more stuff in there. So people had a lot more things to see and do. Last year, we were told by a lot of spectators that they didn't have enough time to see everything, which I think that's the main thing. We have a show is, you know, you want it to be not everybody got a, got a chance to see everything. Because then you know you have enough stuff there for everybody to do because people will always go quicker and slower than others So when they're looking at stuff. So I think that we're kind of where we are now. We're at our max this year. We'll have both of those, ATC and KOS, we'll have sled pull cash days Friday and Saturday night. Um, we have a big rig, uh, big rig pull on Sunday that usually is like 20 or 30 big rigs show up for that between uh, three classes. And then we'll also have the no prep race. It's uh, street trucks and then a run what you brung. And I think there's $30,000 or something like that right now on the line for those guys. So wow. a lot of big money thrown around and um, it's a lot of good competition, but we're trying to keep it to where we're one off of what everybody else is. Um, we're trying to do stuff that you don't see every single day. So that's why we do cash days. We don't hire a club to come in or an association to come in and do it. Uh, we do, we host the pool ourselves and then the, the racing, we don't hire anybody to come in and do the racing. We do that ourselves. So we're trying to have it as like an end of the year, big bash where it's not favoring any certain classes or any certain people. It's just, this is what it is. And, and everybody come run and have a good time. Oh, we also have dinosaur camp this year. I forgot about that. <laughs> All the old trucks are coming. <laughs> All the old guys, the, uh, older trucks that are just the IDIs and the six fives and all those guys they're uh they're throwing down for the weekend they have their own corner of the drag strip we call it dinosaur camp I almost forgot about that and this is this is <laughs> so a two-week long on. event you're yeah, talking this, about this is a this month is, long right? this is a month long <laughs> event like a world know, fair camp out <laughs> yeah uh, well we uh we actually let them come in they can come in uh two days before and then they can stay um, a day after. So most of them do come in early because Thursday night we have a party at Buckingham Performance. Um, we do beer and pizza and wings and stuff like that, get some interviews. Usually they're still working on some trucks there, and it's just we kind of have a like a pre-party type of thing. So it's it's a good time. Everybody has a good time. That's awesome. I, I love you can tell when somebody from diesel performance is planning an event and literally the motto is like, well, if it's not too much, it's yeah. literally not enough. Right. Um, right. I dig that. That right. is, that is intense. That is so much stuff going on. Uh, I can't, can't wait to see the grounds. I think a, a handful of us might be going this year, yeah, right. uh, to check out the event and, and maybe even to, uh, take a swing at that, uh, King of the streets challenge. So listeners, if you guys want to see, uh, calibrated power Duramax tuner out there competing, I'm, Pretty sure it's a go. Uh, might even be out there with a team, so might even so, see two trucks in it. When do tickets? When do tickets go live for the sale? They, I, I believe, that yeah, give this us month? give us dates. How much does it cost? What are we doing? All right. So, um, depending on what they want to do, so King of the Street itself, like the actual KOS challenge, it's a five hundred dollar buy-in. Um, it gets the truck and two two team members in. You have the opportunity to buy more passes if you want. You get a camping spot with that. You get a private pit area. Um, we set up everything first year, first couple years, we just kind of let everybody park everywhere last year. And now this year, we actually are big enough that we have to section off spots for everybody. Um, so get in early if you want any of the weekend passes or anything like that, but normal, um, normal spectators not competing, they can camp, um, dinosaur camp is I think 160 bucks for the weekend or something like that. And it enters their truck in everything and um, gets them a camping spot. ATC is $300, gets them the truck, the camping spot, 
um, the pit area, and then crew passes are $75 a person, no matter what crew you're on. It could be any of the competitions. It's $75 a person. It gets you 24-7 access to the drag strip. Um, it also gets you access to the uh, pre-party on Thursday. And uh, we're actually talking about doing an after party this year, so it'll get you into that too, um, if we can pull that off. So uh, pretty much that's what it'll be. Uh, regular spectators for the weekend will be 60 bucks or $20 a day. And um, that's pretty much, I think I covered everything. What are the dates? What are the dates? dates are October 15th through 17th. Okay. If you're a competitor or a crew person or whatever, pre-party's on the 14th at Buckingham. So come early if you're planning on entering. <laughs> uh, registration cuts off for everything on September 15th. So they got two weeks to get their registrations in. They go to smokeandspeed.com. The and is spelled out, smokeandspeed.com. They can register for everything right online. Eventbrite sends them a, a scan pass ticket right away. Um, if they have any trouble getting signed up for any of that, my number is plastered everywhere. My email is plastered everywhere. So feel free to call me or whatever, and um, I'll get you hooked up. Guys, I am so excited. Listeners, jump on right now. Get yourself a weekend pass. If you got a truck, you're going to compete. Get it registered. Uh, I can I can guarantee out of all of the events we cover, this one sounds like it is Damn. going to be out of control. You are going to want to be there. I mean, I've talked to I've talked to competitors in the past. I, you know, Tim, the guy that works here, did it a couple of years ago. I, I know Gordon Linda Mood too, and a couple others. They've had nothing but great things to say. Yeah. You know? So it's it's exciting, Sarah. We we appreciate you taking the time and going through everything oh, yeah, no and problem. the growth of the event, and uh, I, I really think it's going to be a banger. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, listeners, hey, you're listening to this podcast. Smoke and Speed has a podcast too, Sarah. Uh, that that's my understanding. So they have some some updates from time to time that you can jump on and check out. Check out the YouTube channel. Follow on the social medias. That way you can get all of the newest the information. Social medias. Quick. Yeah, you like that. Man, you got to get on the line yeah, to, to so check old. out the social medias. <laughs> yeah, we have a TV. Uh, we have a TV channel too. We did a deal with Speed Sport um, a couple of years ago, last year, beginning of last year when the pandemic hit. We did a deal with Speed Sport for live TV. Um, so you can view that on fire stick or whatever too. That's, um, that's also on the website, but we'll, at, we'll have uh, KOS and ATC will be live this year. It was live last year. It'll be live again this year. So if anybody can't make it or whatever, doesn't want to make it, then, uh, we'll have live passes up for that too. Usually we put those out a week or two before the event. Very cool. That's awesome. All right, guys, stick around. We got more diesel performance podcast coming at you right after a word from our sponsors. The XDP Extra Cool High Performance Coolant Additive enhances the performance of the cooling system in your vehicle. This coolant additive has been specially formulated to maximize the thermal transfer properties of your engine coolant to lower your temperatures. Not only does the Extra Cool Additive reduce engine coolant temps, the premium additives in this formula prevent buildup and corrosion to extend the life of your cooling system and cooling system components. XDP Extra Cool Coolant Additive is safe for use in all cooling systems and is compatible with all types of coolant. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool High Performance Coolant Additive, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. What is Worley Custom Fabs, Thermostat Bypass Valve, and why is it an important upgrade for your 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax? 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks 
feature a unique thermostat assembly for the Allison transmission, which allows fluid to bypass the auxiliary cooler and use engine heat in the radiator coolant to reach ideal operating temps more quickly in cold weather. When the desired temperature is reached, the thermostat is supposed to open and allow fluid to flow forward into the auxiliary cooler, which helps maintain transmission fluid temperatures at a safe level. Now the issue. This thermostat is prone to get stuck closed. So when the fluid gets hot and reaches the point that it needs to be cooled via the auxiliary cooler, the fluid is instead bypassed by the closed thermostat and returned to the transmission uncooled. Hotter fluid breaks down quicker, which leads to poor fluid performance and potentially premature damage and shortened transmission life. If you tow with your truck or live in a warm climate, this bypass plug is a must. Whether your truck is a daily driver, work truck, tow rig, or competition race truck, this is an issue that plagues all 17 to 19 L5Bs. When running one of WC Fab's shop trucks at the drag strip, they noticed temperatures reaching the unsafe zone. After some investigation, they found the auxiliary cooler up front was cool to the touch. The hot fluid was not making its way to the cooler. Upon further research, they found that even factory stock trucks were experiencing the same issue. With this discovery, the thermostat bypass plug was born. The CAD-designed, CNC-machined, anodized billet aluminum bypass plug requires a simple 15-minute installation. WC Fab has been building high-performance transmissions for the L5P platform for many years now and immediately started including this made-in-the-USA piece with every transmission that they build. Tested in-house on both their shop trucks and customer trucks, the Transmission Cooler Thermostat Bypass Plug for 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks can drop the fluid temperature from 15 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit by reducing fluid flow restriction to the trans cooler. The Exergy Performance Fuel System Saver works. If you have a CP4 equipped fuel pump, which is commonly found on the 2011 to 2016 LML Duramax, and also the uh, early 6.7 liter Ford Power Stroke engine, they're known for failure, period. Now, most of the time, if you put a lift pump on the truck, you'll prevent a lot of the potential failures. If you do regular maintenance, you can help, help prevent the potential failures. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that no matter what you do, that CP4 could fail. And when they fail, they have a track record for sending all of the metal shavings downstream. So you end up needing a whole new fuel system, new lines, new injectors, new tubes, new everything. That could be very expensive. Even if you're under warranty or you find a bundle package for a great price, there's still a lot of labor that goes into that, that job. The fuel system saver increases the amount of protection post CP4. So it's not gonna stop your CP4 from failing. What it's gonna do is that God forbid the CP4 gives up and it starts to send metal debris through the truck, it's gonna stop it before it hits the rest of your fuel system. And that's why they call it the fuel system saver. If you have a CP4 pump on your truck, you absolutely need to give DuramaxTuner.com a call today and get yourself a fuel system saver. Remote support expert, Sean Lynn. How the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, Sean, it has been busy. I know the first day of the end of summer sale kicked off. Now, you're on the um, support side, so you're probably not getting a ton of that right now. 
what have you been working on for the last month? What are some common calls that you've been getting there on the floor? Yeah, so I can tell you um, a lot of people call in and this is the first time they've tuned their truck or like install this six-speed conversion kit on their older Duramaxes is another good example. Okay. And they're just not familiar with the initial process, the initial driving, the way it feels when you install tunes or this kit. Oh, man. We're talking about trans, trans relearn. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. This is such a good topic because for all the years that I've been around diesel trucks, um, the, the Allisons are probably the most notorious for this, right? Where you make a large modification, whether it's engine tuning or a six-speed conversion kit or new TCM tuning, whatever it might be. All of a sudden, there's new power going into the truck or going through the transmission, and that's going to to cause some different feelings, right? Uh, what are what are some of the common ways customers describe it to you? Yeah, so the first thing that happens is as soon as they tune the truck, they go and drive it immediately, right? And then they're not used to the way it shifts because the transmission's actively learning, so they might experience some harsh downshifting, upshifting, you know, the whole thing. Shift flares here and there. It's common on all of them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hard shifting. So it'll actually feel like it pounds or, or like it kind of like, I don't want to say double taps, but it clunks in, I would say is like a way I would describe it when a trans is first going through that learning process. Um, it feels rough, man. It, it can really scare the shit out of you. If you are already nervous about adding 100, 150 horsepower with tune only, and then all of a sudden you drive it and the first thing you notice is, yeah, it's got power, but it shifts crazy. What do they do? Yeah, so pretty much like with any modern truck, any modern vehicle for that matter, I just recommend that you drive for at least a couple hundred miles and take it easy before you start getting heavier into the throttle so those shifts aren't as hard. That's it, man. Yeah, so so think about it like this. Your trans learns how much a pressure to apply and when to apply it and how long to take with on and off clutch clutches, right? Um it bases a lot of that around a torque reference. So it knows that X amount of speed, X amount of throttle position, that should equate to so much torque coming through there. So it works itself and it adaptively learns around your driving habits to optimize for that so that you have the smoothest shifting transmission possible. That's one of the great benefits of the Allison. However, if you were to think about like, my retired mom driving my truck for for three or four tanks of fuel and then i jump in it and drive like an asshole it's not going to know what to do it's never been through those driving scenarios or or it's fresh to those driving scenarios and all of a sudden it, it's going to kind of wonk out so it's going to apply too much pressure or not enough pressure that's where you're going to get some of the flared shifts and things like that or you're going to get that hard shifting that clunking on and off kind of feeling is it's because it's trying to dial itself in it's trying to get better and better as it goes uh, my general suggestion, I, I, I love where you're at, Sean. Just take it easy. I think you're right, man. Like, get some of those low speed, low torque inputs into the trans and then start to work your way up from there. Your trans doesn't have different transmission tunes. So, as we change the engine tunes or the power levels, we're not changing the transmission calibration. The transmission has a much wider adaptive range where it kind of knows what to do properly. But what I do tell guys is go out and start in tune number one give it a 25, 30% throttle run and let it go through all the gears and shift all the way up and then slow down, turn around and do it again at like 50 or 60% throttle and then give it a wide open throttle run. It's not going to shift great. Don't back your foot out of it and try to pedal your foot around the shifts. Stick your foot still, 
let the trans do what it's going to do. It's going to continue to get better and better. Now, I work my way through the tune, so I'll hit like the odd numbers. I'll do one, three, and five. And then generally, that's a fast way to get through an active relearn. There are some other guys who have gone out there and reset the taps. Have you ever dealt with that, Sean? Yeah. um, I can tell you that uh, some of the trucks, depending on what setups they have previously, right, some guys will actually go out there and reset it because they learned a bad shift because they were doing something crazy right after tuning it. Yep. And so you just go through that procedure again, and it just goes into learn mode. That's right. And you experience the same thing. Yeah, and, and then you're there working your way through it again, absolutely. So all totally possible, all totally fine. Um, any way you do it, again, keep in mind, it should be getting progressively better. My general kind of guideline on that is after a tank of fuel of mixed driving. So if you don't want to go out and run the truck through the gears all, in all the different tunes and, and you kind of want to know how long should this take, about one tank of fuel. Uh, so after your, you know, your second fill up or something like that, if you're still having problems, well, then we want to diagnose something like that further, right? Yeah. It would also, uh, be important to know if you're driving on the highway all the time, or if you're actually going through the gears because highway driving does nothing for the learning. You want to go through the gears, ideally, like you said. That's right. Absolutely. Mixed driving, right? So we want to get down there and get into those all, all, each one of those shifts up and down are important. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, guys, stick around. Next up is our super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Super tech, Jeremy Garnett. How the hell are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a it's a great day. It's getting busy yeah. over here at Duramax. Sooner, I know that we were just talking earlier in the show about the shop being slammed right now. Yeah, I'm uh, getting a little overwhelmed sometimes. Uh, temperature's starting to cool down a little bit and we're not having that 100-degree weather, and people are starting to like, oh, I can get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? Okay, well, I know we got a, um, a really interesting one to talk about today. Hit me with it. What's the truck? Uh, we have a 16 Ram 3500 uh, with a 6.7 um Customer. How many miles on it, uh, roughly? 68,000. 68, oh, okay. 16 Ram, 3,500. Is it a dually? Uh, no, single cab. Single uh, cab. Yep. Just okay. A, or I'm sorry, single, single rear, rear wheel. Single rear wheel. <laughs> yeah, okay, quad cab. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, what were the complaints or the symptoms the customer described when he brought it in? So the complaint was a uh, customer came in, check for tur- possible turbo problem. Okay. Um. First thing we did is, uh, you know, I get it, and he's like, "Hey, the dealer said the turbo's bad." Okay, now, let's start from that. So when they say the turbo's bad, I'm like, "Okay." First thing I do is hook up my scan tool, and I go out and I look at it, and I'm like, "Well, we've knock sensor problems in this truck." So they're like, "Yes, the knock sensors are new. Everything was tested. Let's." The dealer said it has a bad turbo. Uh, like almost ten grand to put a turbo in it. To- any any drivability <laughs> symptoms along with this? No no trouble codes around um, the turbo. No trouble. Yeah, I didn't see any trouble codes. Um, and again, that's so only thing I saw was knock sensor codes, and I didn't see any turbo codes. And the truck actually drove beautiful. So then they're like, okay, I go up to the service manager, you know, and I'm like, hey, like why is he saying the turbo's bad in this truck? And then they're like, well, because they tested all the wiring, they put a new knock sensor in it, and it still has a knock sensor code, and the actual, um, so the exhaust brake doesn't work. I'm like, 
well, okay, that just doesn't. But if you have any check engine light, right? Doesn't your doesn't that kick off exactly your exhaust brake and, right. and your remote start, right? right? Exactly. So, and I mean, this is the information I get, and it's all over the board, you know, because we have a you know we have a sales guy that brings it in, and we have our you know service manager yeah. that's like, well, diagnosed for turbo turbo issue, and I'm like. We don't have a turbo issue. (laughs) (laughs) So we all get on the same page at this point, and we're like, well, it's got brand new knock sensors in it. And so, okay, let's get into it. Right. So we messed around with it a little bit more and uh, determined that it actually, the new sensor that they put in it was wrong. Or not wrong, bad. Oh, really? Yeah. So brand new sensor out of the package. Yes. Just not working. Yeah, it actually, uh, what it wouldn't do is um, that... So on these trucks here, that sensor is actually, the best way to put it is a miniature module. Okay. So it's actually like a, a like a module, just like you'd see in your window, you know, just a miniature module. Um, so the truck didn't like what it was seeing, so it was just kicking a light on and not even reading the sensor. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, and um, comes down to it, it was an aftermarket, so... I couldn't tell you eBay, Amazon, Dorman, right? So, okay, so got some knockoff knock sensors, yes. which I just love saying. Right, <laughs> um, got some knockoff knock sensors. So that that's NOX sensors. In case you guys are wondering, where are they located on these trucks? Uh, so there's two on this one. There's one right on the back of the turbo, um, which is one, and then there's one right on the DOC, which is number two. Okay, both pain in the ass to get to. Uh, the one off the turbo is uh, just because the it gets hot, and then when it gets yeah. hot. Um, it actually seizes into the pipe. But in this one, I was pretty lucky because the guy just changed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't quite welded itself into right, place right, yet. Right, right, right. You could tell the guy had a problem. To whoever did the first one, I think it was the customer. I I, I don't know. But. Yeah, customer sh- uh, dealership tech. This is where this was before. Right. Okay, I, yeah. As far as I know is that the truck had a problem. They tried to fix it. They brought it to the dealer, and the dealer's like, well, you have a brand new sensor. It's got to be something else. Gotcha. That's brutal, man. Now, Because you are. I mean, you're talking about dealership prices. Right. You're talking ten grand to swap out a turbo, which is wildly more than what an aftermarket shop would charge you on this job. Uh, they're they're involved. It's not like a five nine Cummins, you know, right. where you could do it with two wrenches. Like it is a little bit more involved, but it's not ten thousand dollars more involved. Um, and then to find out it's a knock sensor, which runs like what three hundred bucks. Oh no, on this one they're about fifteen hundred for a good one. Oh, fifteen hundred dollars for an yeah. NOX sensor, and that explains kind of why you went the aftermarket route because the aftermarket route is about half that. Oh, but half that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Now, see, this is this is one of the reasons I know there's listeners right now that are screaming, like, this is why I delete, this is yeah. why I delete. And like, you're right. I mean, if, if you're looking at back in the old days where it was probably cost you around 1500 bucks to delete your truck or buy $1,500 in sensors, come on, I get it. I'm, I, I can do math, too. Right. Right. Uh, but when you repair it and you leave it emissions equipped... You now can pass DOT inspection. You now right. can get a safety sticker. You now can drive through, the, you know, the many many states that have adopted carb rules. Like, you now have a legal truck that you don't have to worry about. And I think a lot of the delete guys still use the knock sensor too. I don't think that they actually delete the knock. Well, they delete they delete that code from working because right, right, that's right, testing that code, for yeah, NOX. So. so you could have a bad sensor or not have a bad sensor. It depends on what level of delete you go to, whether or not that sensor is right. still in the truck. <laughs> uh, but regardless if it works or not, it's not going to stop you from running right. or stop your remote start from working, shit like that. That right, will right. still work fine. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one, man. That's a, that's a fun one. Yeah, it was because 
it was like, okay, why is why do you have a turbo better? Why do you think the turbo's bad? And then, okay, why you have a new sensor in it? So we went as far as checking wiring. Okay, the information we got, they checked all the wiring. The wiring's fine. Yeah. Like, let's put a new sensor in it. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> the sensor's obviously not working. So, you know, that's what I came down to. And, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't even clear the code. So, you know, when the code was on, it threw a knock sensor code. It wouldn't even clear the code. So Something's up. Something's up. I yeah. Mean, like, but then the other thing is it took us almost – seven days to get the sensor oof so yeah our local guy couldn't even get it from us for, local dealer couldn't even get it for almost seven days yeah so. that's hard man that, that's a hard situation to be in too right because right. your truck's down right you're like ah, everybody you don't buy a truck because you want to watch it sit right like, you, your truck's down you, you and need a lot of these guys it. depend on them yeah absolutely so. what's your pro tip for our listeners just sometimes you know just the easy stuff you know like again in this situation like you put the part in, and it's automatically throwing a code. I mean, sometimes just using the right part or a good part is just worth it I like in the that. long run. Not all parts are equal. Right. I dig that. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Have a good day. Guys, uh, Chris is going to join us back here for the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Chris, man. Uh, are you going this year? Today. I, Are you going to that event this year? I think it's going to be really hard for me to know. Yeah, I think we're going to go. go. I think we're going to go. Yeah. I yeah. think this is, I think it's getting real to the point to where like, how do we not cover it? How do you, how do you, yeah. How do you not cover it, spectate uh, it and enjoy it? That's right. That's right. Maybe we could uh, dirt drag too. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe you could be the driver of the I truck. Like, I like that you say we. I like I that. I like that. That's nice of you. Yeah, um, always try to bring you in on stuff. I I have a lot of fun uh, being able to jump in a, a company truck and run it down the track yeah, when no absolutely nobody's looking and there's no repercussions yeah, and I yeah. don't, I say enough crazy shit on my own without having to go out and prove how bad I am at yeah, something. No, That's for kind sure. of the, the yeah. world I live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey guys, thank you so much for sticking around with us. Uh, it really was a fun show today. Big shout out to our super tech, Jeremy Garnett, and our remote support expert, Sean Lynn. Uh, I thought they brought some really cool yeah, information to the podcast today. And of course, Sarah Chapman, All Truck Challenge, King of the Streets. Guys, jump out there. Go get your three-day three day pass for 60 bucks. Pass. Are you kidding me? That's wild. <laughs> we, Any family can go. We we are so excited to see all of you guys out there. We are going to push really hard and try to be there on scene uh, so that we can cover this in more detail. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. Whoa, That's whoa, kind whoa, of what we're whoa. trying to appeal to. Did you say Mario the plumber has been in it every year?